All right. Welcome back. This is East Coast Adventures with the Dirt and Vert podcast. I'm David. And I'm Matt. And we have a special guest today, Lauren Jones, who just finished uh, No Business 100 with an incredible story and an incredible finish, actually, this year as well. But before we get into that, Lauren, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into running and ultra running? Okay. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's see how I got into running. Um, I think I was peer pressured into it by a friend of mine. I lived in Baltimore at the time and uh, she made me go out and run with her uh, just for exercise, just to like stay active. And I thought she was killing me when we did like three miles (laughs) Uh, and we like slowly worked up and I think we did as much as seven and I couldn't believe like how long I had been outside running. Um, And she's actually the person that got me to do like my first road half marathon. Um, And then I I think that race like let me realize how much I loved running and racing and the whole thing. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, What, What year was that? That was probably 2011, 12-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was a, that was a three-mile run? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> and and now you're running 100-milers and 200-milers, so. Yeah. What yeah. a change. It, uh, it progressed. <laughs> was Was there any running in your background at all before then? Not at all. I hated it. Um, <laughs> I was not athletic at all. I like have zero hand-eye coordination. Didn't play any sports. Um, I did ballet like growing up, and I joined the track team uh, in middle school because a lot of my friends did. But I didn't do any running events. I hated it. I did the high jump, uh, which I was terrible at. But at least I got to hang out with my friends at practice. <laughs> yep. Well, that's awesome. What a so you started really taking it serious probably 2014, 2015 then? Is that when you started like actually racing? Yeah, that's when I did um, a road marathon. I did, let me see, I've done three total road marathons and realized that I really like it and the longer the better. And so that's how I ended up just like Google searching what else is there beyond a marathon? And then I've, then I like stumbled into this like trail scene, um, and then I did my first fifty k uh, in two thousand fifteen. Absolutely loved it, and never looked back. <laughs> what uh, what fifty k did you choose to do as your first one? Um, it was just a small local one. It's called the Guts Fat Ass fifty k. It's like with the local Guts uh, running group out at Sweetwater Creek. Um, it's like okay. right after New Year's. Um, it's fun. It's just like five loops that you do. It was great. Well, I've, I've got to ask you this question because everybody's got this story. Um, so you, you sign up and you do a marathon. What did you learn from that experience? Cause you know, from my, you know, from everything that I've seen and, you know, even with me and Matt, you know, your first big race, usually you, you learn a lot. Oh yeah. Usually it's what not to do. So, um, yeah. what, how did your first big race go? Um, it went okay. I did it in Denver where my brother was living at the time. So going from like Atlanta to Denver was a little tough. So I learned that altitude is a thing. Um, (laughs) but other than that, I honestly had such a great time and realized like you can do so much more than you think you can. Like it may seem crazy. I couldn't possibly fathom running 26 miles. Um, but then like you do it and it's fun and it's, I don't know. Then it just made me want to see like what else can I do? Yeah. Well, you you've definitely taken that to the next level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so after the fifty K, what did you just progressively jump into more and more races and more miles? Or did you have a strategy like I wanted to do a fifty, so I trained and a hundred, or did you just go full force? Um, I was really intimidated by the hundred milers. And so I stuck around the 50 K 50 mile mark for a really long time. I actually met a really good friend of mine, uh, John, who had run a bunch of races, including the Leadville 100. And he kind of like coached me through all my first like big mountain runs. And we did my first night run together. And he had all the, he had this Leadville buckle that he would show me. And I just like was so intimidated by that. Uh, so I was like 
way too scared to even think about attempting a hundred miler for a while. So I stuck around the 50 milers for quite a while. What do you think your favorite distance is? Uh, definitely the longer, the better. Hundreds are really fun. It's an indifferent, it's a different kind of mentality. It's like, this may sound really silly, but it's kind of like sprinting for a hundred miles. It's like such a fast race. Um, versus like the 200, 250 kind of race. It's just a very different format and a very different environment. Hmm. I really like the multi-day things because it comes down not to just like physical ability, but like also strategy becomes big in those things. And that's really fun to piece together. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of strategy in a multi-day race. Me and Matt learned that the hard way this year. in yeah, Ball State, so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so you've you did the Cocodona two fifty, is that correct? I did, yeah. Yeah. Um so was that your first multi day race? It was my first multi day race. I had attempted a multi day FKT that I didn't finish prior to that, which got me really interested in the multi day racing and made me think that maybe I could like do okay at these. And so that's how I, and then I watched the live stream for the first year of Cocodona, uh, like not long after I failed at my attempt. And so I was like, yep, I'm in, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and it's awesome. And Cocodona is an incredible experience. I highly recommend it. <laughs> was that a FKT? Was it the uh, Pinhoti? It was, yeah. Yeah. Which is 350 miles. I started, um, I was going northbound. So I started in Alabama going north. Uh, I wanted to finish on like, I'm a lot more familiar with the Georgia side of the Pinhoti because it's closer mm -hmm. to me. So I wanted to finish on the trails that I know really well. Um, yeah, I made it really far. I made it like 280 miles um, and still below the time, but I had just a horrible tendon um, flare up mm -hmm. and it was like really painful. Um, it like the last 50 miles or so, it was just, like just awfully painful and I was in a pretty fragile mental state and I let it kind of take over. So I didn't make it, but, but I learned a lot for sure. I learned that I like approached it completely wrong and uh, revamped my entire game plan for Cocodona. <laughs> so. so what, what, when you say you learned you did it really wrong, what, what was your big takeaways like from that experience? Cause I know I had plenty from ball state. I'm just curious to yeah. your take. <laughs> Um, I had this grand idea that I would make really big miles every day, sleep for like three or four hours, like be, you know, well rested or whatever. Um, <laughs> and just get up like and keep doing eight. it. Yeah. And it's, and I had all these like aid stops where I had my crew meet me way too often. So I was just wasting a ton of time hanging out with my crew, mm -hmm. taking way too long at each little stop. But then the sleep just, wasn't helpful to me um like just getting three hours of sleep is not nearly enough sleep so I just woke up feeling worse than when I had before I'd slept um it made me like super emotional and just like in a really bad mental state and I didn't feel like it was a good use of time um so for Coconut, I didn't really plan to sleep at anywhere like specific uh, it was more just like take a little five minute trail nap when you like can't keep your eyes open anymore um obviously like limiting aid station time is huge and then just just moving you know if you can just keep moving you can uh make up a lot of time for sure so sleep was the main thing yeah don't don't sleep oh, yeah. <laughs> well it sounds like your strategy was exactly like our strategy at Ball state and it didn't work nice. we learned a lot i mean uh, <laughs> nice. you're you basically just fail you know, every day until you, until you finally figure it out. And like, that was the thing with ball state is, is I melted down and kind of had the same issue you did at, at Pinhoti. Like I was having a terrible pain in the lower part of my leg. Um, I don't know if it was tendon or what, but I, I had never practiced walking. You know, I was all confident that I was going to run a hundred miles a day and I was going to sleep four hours a day, you know, and like, I'm, be, I'm like, yeah, check, right. be done in three days. And when that plan right. went, down um so did i and then like day four mm -hmm. I, I you know finally figured out what i was doing wrong and you know you just 
you just like <laughs> fail until you don't. And then you're trying to figure out how to put it back together. And, and luckily, uh, I didn't quit. I had a lot of thoughts in my head to quit on like day three, four, uh, four, I was finally back to normal, but day three was terrible. And it was because I didn't sleep. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just like you yeah. said, you get in a, you know, when you don't have a lot of sleep, it, you mentally, you just, you're not prepared for things to go wrong and it can just destroy you. Yeah, for sure. I think the mental state for the multi-day is an entirely different mindset and approach to it all. And I wasn't prepared for it. Um, you know, like deep into day one, realizing that I was still going to be out there like three and four days from now was something I like, I couldn't process and get in my head. And then, yeah, as soon as stuff goes wrong, being able to stay like aware and, and like in the moment and not let that get you down is so hard. Um, so being able to like mentally be flexible, it's really helpful, but it's really hard. <laughs> how do you, how do you cope with that? What do you do? Do you have any, any mantras you say, or do you just go to try to go somewhere in your head that, you know, is peaceful to you? Like what's, what's your reaction to that? Um, I do, I do sometimes I do really well with it and sometimes I don't do really well. So um, it's still hit or miss and still a game I'm trying to figure <laughs> out with myself. But um, so I don't totally know, but I think the most helpful thing is to like, stay present, stay in the moment, stay in the mile that you're in. Yeah. Don't think about two days from now or three days from now or a hundred miles from now. It's overwhelming. It is. Um, even like, even just for a hundred mile race, thinking 70 miles down the trail is like very overwhelming. Um, so if I can keep those thoughts out and just stay like where I am, it's a lot easier. And then just not letting, when you don't, you know, when you don't achieve what you thought you're going to do, when you have like that fail for the day, not letting that completely ruin your mindset is really helpful because getting negative is really hard to crawl back out of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny at uh, Vol State, there was a guy, he had, he, he was kind of like us. I want, um, he had, he had a goal. And it was funny. He had all kinds of issues on like day four. Uh, he ended up walking barefoot on the concrete because his feet were so bad. But it was so funny because he would be posting on Facebook and like it was the same thing. He was saying A plan's gone down to B plan. B plan is is has uh, sunk to the bottom of the ocean. We're on C plan. C plan has uh, been buried. Now we're on D plan. <laughs> and then it was like, now we're just trying to survive. And I mean, he still finished yeah, no, survival, he, and he held on, but That's it awesome. was just so funny um, to see, you know, his progression and how he handled it. And he did great, but you're oh, exactly yeah. right. I think it's something you figure out every race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Some so how was you your, and some races you don't. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, how was your, um, I know Matt's already been ultra sign up stalking oh, yeah. you, but so how was her finish at Cocodona? <laughs> uh, I think it was like uh 10th overall in second place, maybe second place female. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you really learned from Pinhoti and took that to heart. And it sounds like you, you know, you, you really come full force into Cocodona and you put it all out there. And I mean, you had an amazing result. I mean, 10th yeah. overall second place female. Absolutely amazing. That's, that's How good. did that that's feel? Thank you. Yeah, that one was good. I rode that high for a long time. Um, still am. It was, that was just an incredible experience all around. I went into it um, incredibly disappointed from my failed FKT. And it's like really wanting to prove that I could, I learned a lot and then I could do better than what I had done. Um, I was just incredibly disappointed by, <laughs> by my failed FKT. Um, so it was like a really good driving force to, to go into this with everything I had. Um, and I just thought it would, you know, I just really wanted to have fun. And honestly, I stayed like mentally very positive throughout the entire time, um, which was like a feat in itself. Um, but I think it helped so much because there was so much, uh, there were so many like places you could get really low. That course is a beast in so many different ways. Um, yeah, I just stayed really positive. And uh, the, com the competition, like being out there versus like the FKT where you're just racing at clock and having the actual competition of people out there was really fun um, and motivating and it keeps you going for sure. Um, yeah, I, 
I don't know how I managed to stay so positive. There's one part where on paper you do this really big climb around about mile 100. Um, and then it has this really long, like 13 mile descent into the city of Jerome. And on paper, it looks like this lovely break from this like really gnarly climb afterwards. And it was not that at all. It was so rocky <laughs> and like really narrow, super cambered trail that like if you slipped, you would just like fall off to your death like a thousand feet down. Oh, wow. Um, so it was terrifying and really slow going and not the descent I came for. And I was in a really awful mood by the time I got down to my crew at Jerome. Um, yeah, I bet that mentally wore you down there. just like seeing that <laughs> yeah. the whole time. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah it was that was rough <laughs> that was really rough um so i was definitely in a really bad mood when i got there i took a quick little nap regrouped and then like just had to put it out of my head and just like continue on i had passed um several girls on the climb up there and so I was like really focused and trying to keep my positions that's when i took second place and i just wanted to stay there you know and so um yeah, and then I was like happy and fine the rest of the time. It was just that one, that one piece that on paper looked so nice, and it wasn't. <laughs> I, w- I was watching some of those clips that you had shared on your uh, Instagram, and I think I guess it was the live stream that you had shared some of the clips. And oh, yeah. every t- every yeah. time you shared those, you you look so happy. You're just sitting there eating your food or getting your drink, and you just you know they're talking to you through the through the live stream. But you looked happy the whole time. Yeah. I really was. Um, that was like a huge win for me. Just like not only just the result being so good, but that I was able to stay present and happy there. But yeah, I was. I was having a good time. <laughs> it was the naps, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took several um, like little five-minute dirt naps. Like just when I couldn't hold my eyes open anymore, I would just like lay down, set my phone timer for five minutes, and um, that was like more helpful than anything. Um, just to like reset, get to close your eyes for a second. And I felt so much better. I would just pop up and like keep going and just, that uh, was, I, I think that's I, the way I'll do it from now on. <laughs> that's what I figured out at Vol State. Uh, eventually you just, those little five to 10 minute naps, they seem like they work better than those three hour where you're just laying everything out and then you're getting revamped back up and putting everything back together and then going back out. But those little five or 10 minute naps, it just, a switch would go off and you'd get back up and you just kept going. I figured that out the last couple of days. The first few <laughs> days it didn't work. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I think that's the secret, but I don't yeah. know. That's doesn't work for everybody. I think everybody has their own little secret, but I, that's my thing. Well, you got to figure out what works for you, you know, and it's, it's, it, there's a lot of truth and you just fail until you don't, you yeah. you just got to keep figuring it out. Right. So, right. One thing I have to ask is what was your what was your favorite food at Cocodona? You know, we've that's uh, becoming a staple here on this this podcast. Uh, one of the gentlemen that did a really good result at Hennepin, he uh, he lived the entire time on Sour Patch Kids and caffeine. So I'm just curious of what what your feeling <laughs> strategy was. Um, so it was really sad. Unfortunately, like the, the aid stations are known for having like incredible food at Cocodona. Um, but they didn't really have it out that much for like the front runners. And so mm. I would get to aid stations. They didn't really have much. Um, luckily I had a crew and stuff. Um, I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if there's anything specific in that race that I ate. Um, I had some beef jerky for the first time in a race. <laughs> at the top of the climb and that was pretty tasty <laughs> it's like really salty it was like super chewy and it like took all my effort to like chew this beef jerky which kept my mind off of all the blisters and all the other things like it kept my mind occupied i think it was it was a nice little yeah, while, while your jaws are getting <laughs> yeah while your jaws are getting sore like <laughs> yeah yeah it was really tough uh, but the salt tasted so good <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I did have at the top of the very last climb, um, like eight miles from the finish, I got up to the top and like completely solidified my place where I was going to finish. And I just had eight miles left to go like downhill into uh, Flagstaff. And I was just so excited to finally get to that aid station, which seemed like it would never come on the top of Mount Eldon. 
And I got up there and they had Modelo. So I had a, a beer at the very top of Mount Eldon and that was awesome. <laughs> There's something to be said about a beer in an ultra, especially a really long ultra. Yeah. It's so good. So yeah. good. It was so good. <laughs> so, so good. Th- those carbs hit pretty instant too. That's what I love about it. Yes. Well, I let's was uh up and ready to get those last eight done. <laughs> so was that the only beer you had mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i didn't i like it sounded good people kept offering but i was like i don't know i got so far to go let's let's do it later <laughs> yeah some people slamming fireball and uh chugging beers in a hundred mile and i'm like I'm not, maybe one at the finish we'll do it at the finish <laughs> there you go well, let's uh, let's switch gears for a minute and, and talk about no business, because I think this is just a really cool story um, mm-hmm. to talk about last year and this year. So if you don't care, can you tell us, uh, especially the listeners, cause I kind of already know a little bit of the story, but will you let, you know, let the listeners know uh, how last year's race went and, you know, this year um, and also just. Was there anything you did different, you know, like last year to this year, preparing mentally, physically for the race? Um, but I just think it's a really cool story, so I want everybody to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so last year, I it was my last race for the season, and I had already done um, the Coldwater Rumble 100 and then Cocodona, obviously, and done really well. Gotten, like, a PR in the 100-miler by, like, three hours there. Uh, I was second place to Andy Hughes in both of those. Um, he was like, you know, kind of a name. So it was cool. Yes. It was a great season. And then I was really excited to come back and do like a more local race and end on like a really cool 100 miler here. Um, but Jane, I felt really fit and I was uh, just really excited. And the day started off great. The weather was perfect. Uh, I was feeling really strong and uh, really happy and really good. Um, I'd gone through a bit of a low point kind of early, like 20, 25 miles just like the realization that I still have 80 miles to go. Um, But I'd worked through that and was like in a really happy, great place. And uh, I was running really strong. I was in first place. I think I was like third or fourth overall. Um, Leaving the mile 40 or like 35. I forget what the numbers were, but around mile 40. uh, So I left the aid station around mile 40. I had to stop to look at my phone because – uh, I couldn't find a trail marker and I just wasn't sure if I was going the right way or not. And so I was looking at my phone and, and continuing to move. Um, and I just tripped super awkwardly. Um, and instead of falling forward, like I normally do, I feel like sideways, but my foot stayed where it was. And, uh, yeah, my, I heard my ankle crack and I like knew immediately it was broken. Uh, of course I tried to convince myself it wasn't. Um, so I like laid there for a second, cried for a second I like got myself up and I was like, it's fine. It's just sprained. I like popped a couple ibuprofen, which you're not supposed to have. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> popped a couple of those. I was like, that'll kick in in a minute. I'll just walk it off. It'll feel fine in a minute. So I kept trying to like hobble down the trail and it just like wasn't going super great. Uh, I wasn't able to really put any weight on it and it was really painful. So I sat on a log I found a stream with some water, sat on a log and like soaked my ankle in the ice cold water, thinking that would help my sp- my sprain um, feel better. I cried a lot. Um, and I just kind of sat there and I just knew that like my race was over. And I like was just grieving that loss and trying to process that loss, I think. And so it took me a really, I sat there for like 20 or 30 minutes, just kind of like crying and like, I knew as soon as I started going back the other way that my race was like over. So I didn't want to take that step back. Um, So I just like sat there. (laughs) uh, It was about a three mile hike back to Duncan Hollow aid station. Um, There's zero cell service out there. And it was like seven miles forward to the next aid station the other way with no crew access. Um, So I knew I needed to turn back. So then I started hobbling back. It's just getting more and more painful and like harder and harder to walk on. Um, One of my friends, I finally started like seeing runners coming the other way. And uh, one of my friends, Michael, stopped and ripped off a tree limb for me, like a fresh tree limb to use as a stick. (laughs) Because all the sticks on the side of the trail were just like crumbling. 
Um, so that was really helpful. And yeah, just kind of like very slowly made the three mile trek back up that climb. That's Duncan Hollow, which is not an awesome climb, especially on a broken ankle. <laughs> no, not uh, at all. it was like kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of nice. I was like saw a bunch of friends and like every, every single runner was like so sweet and gave me hugs and everyone offered to like walk back to the aid station with me. And I like wouldn't let anybody do it because they can't carry me. It's not going to help me get there, but it's going to ruin their race, you know? So mm -hmm. every single person offered, which was really sweet. Um, and then I saw, I looked over it when I was like midway up the climb up Duncan Hollow, there's a bear and her mom, her like cubs with her sitting right there. And I was like, this is exactly what they talk about. I'm injured. I can't move. I'm going to be like bear food. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, don't just stay over there. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, I'm like crying the whole time, like the entire three mile way. I'm like sobbing, crying. I can't see where I'm going really, and whatever. I finally, I finally got up there, and um, on my way, on my way back, I'd met a runner and her pacer, and they offered to call for help, but of course, they didn't have cell service. So the pacer said if they got further down the trail and got cell service, they would call ahead, which I guess they must have gotten service, because uh, the aid station had like a ride waiting for me when I got there, which was incredible um and really sweet so they trucked me out of there and brought me back to I think Bandy Creek is where they brought me and then had a call my crew my fiance was there he was waiting at the next aid station uh, so I had no way yet to like tell him that like I've dropped you know I'm sure he's seeing runners coming in has no idea like he just saw me I looked great I felt great like we we're like bye see ya uh so I was like stressed about him not having any idea where I was. So we finally hooked up, but um, yeah, it was an emotional roller coaster. I was like on top of the world, having the race of my life, and then suddenly was not able to walk anywhere. So yeah, it was immensely disappointing, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah. I never broken a bone. Um, there was just a lot there, but um, I had just turned forty in July. And the race was in October. And so I was like, of course I turned 40 and break my leg, you know. Um, but then I also thought, like, there's no way, like, you don't come back at 40. Like, you don't build back from, like, the best fitness ever at 40 years old. Like, this is this is it. My, like, running's over, you know. And so I just kind of went, like, a pretty deep, dark place for a while there. Um, I couldn't put weight on my leg for, like, almost three months. Um, I lost every bit of fitness I possibly ever had. Like I lost all the muscles in my leg and my foot and my ankle. Um, yeah, it was a dark place. <laughs> um, but then, yeah. How, then how to, long was recovery? Um, I was non-weight bearing for 10 or 11 weeks, somewhere around there. I had three fractures in the bottom of my tibia. And so he was like super cautious about uh, time frames and like kept extending how long I couldn't use it. Um, and I finally got to start putting weight on it at the end of December, I think, um, early January. Um, but yeah, even just like putting weight on it, like you hadn't used your leg. I'm sure other people have broken the leg though, but, uh, like just putting weight on it hurts so bad. All like nerve endings haven't been used to any of this for so long. And it's just, like really painful, not the bone, but just like the nerve endings, I guess. And then the muscles are just completely wasted. So I can walk um, without crutches for several weeks after that, like another month and a half or so after that, just like physical therapy for three or four times a week, um, just working on building the muscle strength back to even like just like step and stride normally. Um, yeah, I was like literally starting from zero. Um, yeah, it was emotional. I was really excited to put weight on my foot and then I – like, as soon as I, like, got to, it was, like, I cried. It, I'm a big crier, if you can't tell. But uh, I cried. <laughs> I was, like, really excited. <laughs> but I also realized, like, how much work I had to do, you know, to not just get back to walking, but to running and to running, like, well. Uh, it would just seem so far off and impossible. So it was a mission on the coaster for sure. Um, what was your first yeah, big race? What was your first big uh, race? My first big race. <laughs> it was a big one. It was the big one. It was Western States. Um, wow. So you, you broke race. your foot and then 
come back to Western States and you had an amazing finish there too. I mean, that's, that's, Oh, thank you. That's a huge accomplishment. So did you, did you have a lot of nerves going into Western States after that? Yeah, that, that was, uh, I like still am really timid on technical pieces and stuff like that. And like, um, still don't totally trust myself or my legs or whatever. I don't know. Like there's a lot of fear going back on the trail after something like that for me anyways. Um, yeah. And just not knowing, like, I don't know, not many 41 year olds come back from zero and like do well, you know? So, uh, I just like took complete total self doubt of like, you know, I don't belong. I'm not, I can't possibly get my fitness back. I can't possibly be a good runner anymore. Um, yeah. And I hadn't had a chance to compete because I was like still just building back. Uh, I was like super pumped and excited that I got to go to Western States <laughs> and uh, like super nervous. But I had a terrible day, honestly. I had an awful day at Western. Uh, mentally, like I'd done all this work to physically rehab, but I don't think I'd like put the time in to like mentally be there for the day. And the first 30 miles of the course were all covered in snow, which, you know, in Georgia, we don't get a whole lot of that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah it was it was rough <laughs> so <laughs> yeah just like on, on top of the escarpment you get up there and it's just this ridge line forever just covered in snow trying to figure out where the markers are I, like one point i look around i'm like everybody's falling everywhere i fell like 30 or 40 times uh, i'm looking around at some point trying to find the markers and like everywhere in my peripheral vision, everywhere, everywhere. Look, there's people just like on the ground sliding into each other, knocking other people down. It was like total chaos. And like, I didn't know what to do. I just like laughed and like looked at the guy next to me and I was like, what is, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? And so it was just like, everyone was just kind of teamwork and sweet. And like, everybody was trying to help each other find the course because the flags were covered in snow, you know, the trails covered in snow. And so, um, we were just like, this is it. This is where we are. We're in it. Um, yeah, that, it was it was a rough race for me. I was like emotional and like a really negative headspace for like the first half and just not not in a good place. <laughs> but, so when you out. were um, when you when you finished uh, your rehab and your physical therapy and everything, did you you know you had all that self doubt and you know thinking you weren't going to make a comeback at, at 40 plus did you did you like go beyond your normal training did you push even harder trying to come back I'm just curious like was did you like overcompensate trying to bring yourself back to that level of condition I think if left to my own devices I definitely would have luckily I have a coach who is very level-headed and um can kind of help me control that urge to do that. And she's great. And uh, like, she's a physical therapist herself. So it was like really able to help me like keep that under control and be smart. Um, we did ramp up, like the miles were a bit more than they were last year. Um, but yeah, she definitely kept me controlled, which is nice. Cause I probably would have gone way too hard. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have someone to keep you in check. Yeah. For sure. You got that, don't you, Matt? I got that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about the redemption story. So tell us a little bit about No Business this year. Um, so this year I had like the best summer ever. So I had I got to go to Western States. Um my fiance and I went on this like really big camper van trip for a week out in California. I went to the Alps with my two best friends and we ran around uh, Mont Blanc for a week. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. And I, then I went, my last trip was with some of the rabbit uh, girls and we went out to Utah and did like a little run camp out there. So I was like, we're coming off this like incredible summer in a very good mental place, not burned out from the heat here. Cause I'd been able to travel everywhere. I was like really happy, positive, just like had some really good solid training you know, a week in the Alps is pretty good bird training. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> but just like happy. And I'd had some really strong training runs um, and felt and felt really fit and really good going into it. Um, I couldn't tell if I felt as good or better or worse than last year, but I was like really excited. Um, 
to go to the race. Like I've never been more determined to like, go and have a good race. And I feel like I, I spent a lot of time like on the mental aspect where at Western States, I was in this like terrible place all day and I didn't want to repeat that. I like really regretted having that experience there. Um, and so I really wanted a different day at no business. Um, and I think I, I think I did that. Um, I was really happy all day. Um, I actually went, so one of my best friends, Holly is the girl that got second. Um, we ended up running like the first 30 miles of the day together not really on purpose, but we run together all the time and we just kind of kept the same pace. Um, so it was really fun. So we were like within, you know, 20 yards of each other for the first 30 miles. And so kind of like having a pacer <laughs> for like 30 oh, miles yeah. of it, which really kept me like happy and excited uh, to be out there. And like, it was a lot more fun than I would have thought that would be. I thought it would stress me out and like make me not focus on my race. Um, but it was like a perfect distraction for early on. Um and then as we came in to Blue Heron, it's when we started to kind of separate a bit. Um, I got to do that crazy, like, gnarly climb or whatever it was, that, that like, horse trail down to the river. <laughs> and uh, got to Blue Heron, and I knew I was, like, just – I saw Holly get out of the water, like, right behind me. So I knew she was right behind me. Um, and then I didn't know where the next people were. I thought um, Jill was in front of me, and when I got there – um, Tim told me that I was in first place and I was like, I don't think I am. I think there's, I think there's people in front of me. So like, I was surprised to learn that I was in first place there and I was like, okay, well, here we are. I, my game plan going into it was to just kind of sit back and be patient. Cause I knew the, there were so many like really competitive girls this year and I knew some of them are really fast runners. Um, and so I, my plan was to just sit back, be patient, do what I needed to do early and then halfway through was when I was going to start like okay now it's game time now I know what I feel like and what I have left and start chasing people down so I took first place earlier than I like planned on doing <laughs> so I was like okay well it's gonna be a long day of holding people off but that's okay um so I did that loop and came back and I told Tim to like let Tish text me at some point and let me know like what the gaps were and I was like I'll get cell service at some point and I'll, I'll like figure out where it is um, so he texted me later. I finally got cell service. Holly was five minutes behind me. Jill and I think Deanna, another girl, were like 15 minutes behind me. And he like, said, quote, like in their hunting, um, or whatever. He like mm -hmm. overheard them saying, let's go hunt people down. And so I was like, oh, shoot. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> game on. We got to go. So I just like really put a pep in my step. And like, uh, I was feeling fine. I was feeling strong. And, um, like in a happy mental state luckily that let me not get overwhelmed by like that competition but it kind of mm -hmm. like fired me up and got me going um so I was like okay well they're right behind me let's just see what kind of like gap I can put on them before the next aid station or before the next check-in or whatever um yeah it uh you know the gap kind of like stayed around 40 45 minutes for a long time um and I had no idea where I was in the field overall um actually when I got to I forget what mile it was like the sawmill maybe it's some aid station out in the middle of nowhere it wasn't a crude one there's a a couple of the volunteers who were like tracking numbers um he just like looked like unemotionally like looked at his clipboard and like looked over his little glasses at me and he was like you're fifth overall and I was like oh I had no idea he, and then he was like, in fourth place, just left looking bad. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, you can catch him. And I was like, okay. I was like, fine. I guess I'm going to go catch him. Um, so then I like, left. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I had no idea. I was like up here. I thought I was like 20th. I thought I was way back. Um, and so that was like exciting and definitely gave me another little like thing to like, shoot for, you know. Um and so, yeah, I ended up passing two more guys um, before the end. And then coming into, like, the very last gate station, I saw a headlight. I had just come down a hill, was on this road, heading to, I think, Pickett. And uh, I looked up the hill, and there's a headlight coming. And I was like, oh, shoot, someone just chased me down. I was like, who is it? So I'm, like, panicking. And I'm like, oh, God, someone caught me. Um and then I was, like, running from this headlight forever, so I was, like, picking up the pace and trying to go, and then I realized, like, 
well after that that it was the moon it wasn't a headlight so then then I got to pick it and then I like found out that I had like increased my lead by enough that I was very safe as long as I kept moving um so then I left there and immediately got lost again. <laughs> I got lost like four times in the course. <laughs> um, so I got lost again. I was like, man, I was like, I was doing good. And this is how I'm going to lose. Um, I was able to find it and get back. But um, yeah, there's just like no feeling like coming, coming around there and like getting to finish and not just finish, but like finish better than I thought I could. Um, I wanted the win more than anything. And so I didn't know if I could get it because the field was pretty stacked this year. So I, but I wanted it, I think more than anybody wanted it. And so I think that kind of got me there, but it felt good. Yeah. That means a lot. If, if you want it, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Some people don't always have that same drive to want to, to want to run, you know, some people, if they saw a headlight behind them, even though it was the moon, um, (laughs) you know, they might've gave up. Whereas you, you know, you were still running, you wanted it that bad. Uh, did you know when you crossed the finish line that you were third overall? I knew by then. Yeah. Um, when I, I didn't know until I got to the last aid station, that that's where I was. And they told me there. Um, so I knew for that last section, but I didn't know how far behind the guys were. And so I didn't know if they were going to catch me. So I was like still trying to like, you know, get going. So they didn't catch <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, amazing finish. Congratulations on being first female and third overall. I mean, just amazing. What what a comeback story. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Were you concerned at all about your foot? Was that yes. in the back of your head? The whole time, um, which is why I think I got lost like four times um, because I was so focused on watching where I was going, like not tripping over anything that I missed markers on several times, especially when I made it through what I dubbed ankle break alley, which is the section where I broke my (laughs) ankle. Um, I came through there in the dark um, and I knew exactly like where it was. And so I like went really slow, like tiptoeing through there. Just like can't happen again. It was kind of gnarly. The mud was like super thick and like tried to take my shoe off of me like four to five times. Um, It was like kind of a, kind of a gnarly section there. Um, but yeah, I got off the trail there again, but once I made it past that point and got it to Duncan hollow, like such a weight was like lifted knowing that I'd made it past that point this time. And so that was, that was really nice. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. I bet that was a huge relief. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Me and you had completely opposite years. So I had the year, I had a good, really good year last year. So, you know, I was, I ended up being, you know, in the, in the top and I ran really good in the beginning, but this year, um, I was more of like your story last year. I did not have a good race. I ended up falling at Laurel Hill and uh, messing my foot up and didn't finish. And, uh, and maybe, and maybe it's because we both turned 40. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is because I turned 40 this year and. I fall at no business, so maybe that's yeah. what it is. That's what Brian's it is. gonna Don't have to put 40. a warning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brian's gonna have to put a warning sign up at no business. It says if you're forty, what's your footing? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> forty olds. Forty one's okay. Forty not okay. <laughs> yeah, now I gotta wait till twenty twenty five to go back and get my double buckle. So, oh man, I'm sorry. Well, you know, uh, so yeah. are you gonna are you gonna go back and get your double buckle? Um, I don't know. I I feel like I've had a great, sorry, my dog's down here whining. Hopefully you can't hear him. Oh, you're but, fine. Um, <laughs> I had a, a great race there. Um, there's been a lot of emotions tied up in that race for me for a couple of years now. Um, so I think I might be back volunteering next year. <laughs> yeah. Just, just let that other part go. Just let that be. Yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> it's an incredible race. I really, they, Brian and Shelly have a great thing going and I'm like, they should be really proud of what they've got. So I would like to be a part of it. Um, but I don't know if I'm ready to commit to running it yet. <laughs> so. Well, I may volunteer next year. I'm not running. I'm going to wait till 2025, but I'm trying to talk young Matthew here into <laughs> running next year and then doing no, the double. Do it. In 25. I will, I will, I will oh, do it in obviously. 2025. 
He's got to get this approved with his coach first. 2025. Mm-hmm. Next year is, I've got it already set out for uh, a good marathon block. Okay. <laughs> and okay. some other well, some other stuff, but it's it's got four marathons I'm doing next year. And with some trail oh, wow. stuff in between. But So okay. October will still be marathon training and maybe fire water again if I can figure that out. So. Oh, nice. But you could do four marathons separately, and then you could do four marathons all together at no business. Oh, there you go. I like the way Lauren thinks. <laughs> we'll, we'll do, we're going to do three early, like April and uh, February, I think. February and April, and then one in December. It's nice. going to be the okay. four, four marathons in Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga, Nashville, Knoxville, and Memphis. Oh, cool. And then next awesome. year. Well, I salute you. Road marathons are, are rough. <laughs> so I salute yeah, you. They're not fun. but I've, I've never ran one. I skipped marathons. Oh, yeah. Well, I've only like done three. <laughs> and all this other <laughs> crazy stuff we do. So. Uh, so just a quick question before we move into all of the listener questions. Um, just curious, like, for your training block, what do you, you know, how much time do you try to get? What's your mileage, your weekly weekly mileage? And uh, what do you, you know, what is your favorite type of running when you're training? Like, is it threshold runs or slow pace? Just a couple questions. Um, Just kind of, you know, tell us what you think. Yeah. I generally try, we try to get around like average kind of like 75, 80 mile weeks leading up to it consistently. Um, it doesn't always end up like life gets in the way sometimes, but I try to try to land around there. Um, and it was just some like good quality runs in there. So I don't do a lot of like just random, like go out and run whatever. So they're always like pretty programmed. Um, I think some of my favorite runs that I'm also like always terrified of when I look, when I get my schedule every week and see what I'm doing, I'm always terrified of, it's like always on Thursdays. It's like a. Um, I usually do like a bike ride or something on Mondays. Tuesdays like a workout run. Wednesdays a recovery run. Thursdays a workout run. Fridays a recovery run before the long weekend miles. But Thursdays are always like, like pretty intense workout, <laughs> um, like some threshold pace stuff and long. It's like twelve miles of like really hard running, and so I'm always really terrified mm. of it leading into it. But it's always so satisfying when you like nail it too. So. They're like scary, but also my favorites. Yep. Yeah. Those help you so much too, but man, do they hurt. Oh, they hurt. Yeah. They definitely hurt. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Lauren, we're, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Matt now. Um, he is really bad about losing all these questions. So oh, I, had to, I had to save all these uh, because we, we, had two we started, sections. we started out with a paper, the very first podcast and we lost the paper. So then there was this odd silence while we're all on the floor crawling around <laughs> trying to find the paper. Kind of looking for so, it. Yeah, so, so now we just let Matt handle it through his phone. So oh, yeah. I'll, no, I'll I got it over to him. I got him saved here. Uh, the first one was, I think, we, I think we've covered some of this, but it's uh, when did you get into ultra marathons and uh, what was your first one? So I, I think yeah, we covered that, was, that earlier. Um, yeah, the Guts Fat Ass in 2015 was my first one. That's where I discovered grilled um, cheese sandwiches. So. Is that where the Instagram name come from? Yeah. <laughs> and that is why she runs them. Yeah, when I saw your Instagram name, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> see, this one was from one of uh, one of these athletes. that actually ran one of our races, and she uh, evidently she follows you. She said, uh, way to freaking go coming back after a broken ankle. How did you mentally prepare for the race? Um, mentally prepare. Well, I had a disappointing mental experience at Western States. And so I just spent a lot of time trying to focus on like what was important. Um, and trying to like remind myself not to get overwhelmed with the mileage that I had left the competition that was out there and try to like focus on myself and like the mile that I was in. And I feel like I, I just like asked myself constantly, like, are you doing what you need to do to make yourself proud right now? And that was kind of like what got me through like the individual, like what could have been a low point, but 
try to like find it. Um, and anytime I tried to think about the mileage or anything like that, I like actively made myself stop thinking about it. Mm. So, um, leading into that, someone wants to know what is your why? What motivates you to do your best? Uh, I don't know if I have one why. Um, I think I'm definitely motivated to just see, like, I don't know. Life is short. I can't always do this forever, especially as I'm getting older and realizing, like, the time is limited to be able to do these things. Um, like, what can I achieve, you know? Um, if I, like, if I don't hold myself back, what can I actually, like, accomplish um, before it's too late? I think it's kind of, like, my biggest thing. I think uh, I think Chris also said that same statement about his his last couple of years. He said uh, what he could really do if you actually put his mind to it, and he's doing pretty good right now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you you met Chris at No Business. He was one of the yeah. uh, fourth or fifth people, I guess. He was. Yeah. That's who we were talking about. That's fueled by Sour Patch Kids, by the way. Oh, nice, awesome. They were good. <laughs> Uh, what are some things, uh, you would do that made you successful in this race? Um, I think blocking out, um, blocking out everybody else and trying to stay in my own, my own space, blinders, not getting panicked when I wasn't, uh, up front early on. Um, like I wasn't, I think I was like third or fourth, fifth place. Uh, I was far from, I think Jill was out front early and like stormed by me. Uh, so I think not panicking and just like being very present um, and just staying focused. I think keeping, I think keeping my mindset in a happy place is what let me be able to like be strong at the end. Um, for sure. I mean, that's, that's definitely a superpower is to run your own race and not get caught up in trying to be in the front. I still struggle with that. So yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It it's is. hard to let people go by <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a humbling experience sometimes. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, and uh, what would you do different if you uh, could do anything different in the race? Um, what would I do different? Um, probably stay calmer at the end when I thought the moon was chasing me down and uh, like <laughs> trying to call Tim for updates on where people were. Like if I just not panicked and spent time like trying to figure out, just like, just chill, just like enjoy it. Um, I don't know. A lot went right in this race. So I don't know if that would change a whole lot. It was, it was a good day. What, what did you do when you figured out it was the moon? Did you start laughing? Oh, yeah. And I called him to let him know it was the moon, too. <laughs> I was like, just so you know, that headlight was the moon. <laughs> so he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think he hung up on me. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and here, is, here are a few questions that I've thought up uh, while kind of going over your stuff and stalking you and Ultra Sign Up and your Instagram. Um, do you train uh, any on the Benton Mackay Trail in Georgia? Mm -hmm. I do. I do the Benton Mackay. I love the AT. I've done a lot on the Raven, um, like up in the Raven Trails, the Bartram. Um, it's quickly becoming one of my favorites. But yeah, the Benton Mackay is, is gnarly and rugged and awesome. It's great. Because the, the Benton Mackay actually goes close to us, what, 15, 20 minutes? And so we've been okay. starting doing some training up on it. Yeah, we we discovered yeah, uh, Yellow Jackets on our last outing. Yeah. Big old yellow jacket hmm. nest. Well, that didn't turn out guys. too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just it ended up with me and Matt being about a half a mile apart, and Matt yelling, "David, are you alive?" <laughs> I didn't know if he was because I am slightly me. allergic, and I got bit a lot, and I didn't have my EpiPen. Oh, but no. I, I normally oh, it no. takes a lot for that. So, yeah, but it was so funny. He's like, "David." Are you alive? Yeah, because well, I went, I went up the mountain, <laughs> and he went down the mountain, and I'm hollering, and I he's not responding. I'm like, oh, he's oh gonna God. swell up on me. He's swelling up on me, and uh, 
luckily I heard him I heard him coming back up the hill and he's like you coming down am I going up I'm like uh we got like two miles to the top and so oh my gosh. he went around and we dropped some goose so when we came back down the mountain we got the goose and we stopped and then we just as fast as we could right through it I mean the the yeah. nest was right in the middle of the trail oh yeah it, it got That's us awful. those things are fun so I- there we went my brother and i went to do the no business training run last summer before the first time i did the race and um we were on the group run and we were kind of like hanging back as like the caboose of this like pretty long train of like 215 people and we were probably like 200 yards separated so you couldn't quite see everybody but you knew that they were all there um but they were yellow jackets all over the course and everybody Mm. got stung i think i got stung like six or seven times um but not at once it was all like separate pieces and so it got to the point that you would just hear the people that like were out of eyesight start screaming um this is like a point-to-point run where they shuttled us to it and all that stuff so there was like one way to get back um so you just hear them screaming and you're like oh great like (laughs) we have to go through that you know so you're just like okay well i'm gonna get stung again i don't know when it's gonna be but it's coming up you know so i had a little those things are so i don't blame you (laughs) oh no they're awful um, so the FKTs, you attempted the Pinhoti, but I've also noticed you have a section of the AT in Georgia that you yes, may be the FKT. I do. I have the, um, I originally had the overall, uh, FKT for the Georgia section. Um, mm-hmm. but I've since, I since, uh, have, I just have the female record now. The men's has been, uh, taken, um, but yeah, I still hold the female record. Um, that was that was a that was a good one, a close one for me. Um, some of my first mountain runs are all in the AT up there, and as a as a gnarly section, it's like seventy five miles, about twenty thousand feet of gain, and it's the AT, so it's just like super technical. Um, yeah. That one was one I I worked for for a while, and it felt really good to get that. Do you think you'll ever go back and attempt the Pinhoti FKT again? That's the plan. Good. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so since you've done some East Coast races and some West Coast races, um, how do they compare? Are they more technical in the East or in the West? Um, generally speaking, by far more technical in the East. Um, California, all that stuff is generally very butter smooth and really nice. Arizona has a little bit of both. You can be like really smooth or it can be like a lot of what Cocodona was on was really, really rocky, like incredibly rocky. So not like, not technical from like a rooty standpoint, like we have here. There's not a lot of trees and stuff. So there's not a lot of roots, but there's a lot of rocks, um, like so many rocks. Um, but generally speaking, I would say the East coast is significantly more technical. Um, I like out West because it's not as humid, <laughs> which is nice. Oh, yeah. Um, so they're just very different beasts, but I really like the variety. Um, I love the desert. I just think it's cool. Like it's just so different than what we're used to here. Um, I love like the dryness, the cactus, like all the plants are just like so different. Um, I love, I love the variety, but yeah. So out of all the races that you've done, uh, which one has been the hardest? Ooh. The hardest. Look, they're all hard in so different ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, like, it's going to sound silly, but, like, Western States was so much harder than I expected it to be. And then I just had a, like, really mentally rough day that was really hard in that way. Um, Leadville is really hard. Um, just at altitude. Um, you know, the whole thing is 10,000 feet or higher. And being a flatlander, that's tough in an entirely different kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are probably what comes to mind as the hardest, but they're all really hard in different ways, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. A hundred miles is never going to be easy. hundred miles is hard, yeah. No. Any, any yeah. distance like that, any ultra, that's just, you know, the, the, even the different intensity and efforts, it's, it's still hard and yeah. it's still mentally hard you know and that's that's the thing is and what we were talking about earlier it's like every race is different you have to overcome something in every race and it's usually something you've never experienced and then you leave that race thinking 
right, I got this figured out. Oh, yeah. Next race, you get humbled and you figure Something it out, you know, and it's just, it's just a constant fail and then, you know, success. And it's just, you just repeat and it's the resilience to keep going. Right. I think it's fine. I was talking about today with a friend is, um, you're right. Like everyone is so different and everyone has a different struggle. And a lot of times it's not at all what you expected the struggle to be. Um, I just find it like this really fun puzzle that like, I don't know if you ever really get right, but when it does go well, when you do have a good day, because it is such a complicated thing to get right, it just feels so much better when you do get it. Um, so those like good days are just like that much sweeter. You know, if there was like a perfect oh, formula yeah. of like how to run well and how to place well and do this and that, it wouldn't be that special. Um, but because there's not, I think, and we struggle and like you have really terrible days, um, it makes the good days really great. Yeah, we had we had Ethan on here not too long ago, Ethan Coffey, and he said something oh, yeah. that I thought was uh was really good. And he said I was training well, but not racing well. And man, that uh that definitely hit me because that's kind of been my year all year and that's one of those things like like you said, your your struggles different every race and it's it's trying to figure that out. And sometimes it's just very humbling to you know, realize that you, you may never figure it out, but it's the difference of being resilient and pushing through it. And, you know, it's, that's, that's the, that's the joy in it. You know, that's the work. Um, right. It's, it's the training that you put in and just because you're having good training in bad races doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that every race is going to be bad at some point. It's finally going to click, you know, just like no business right. did for you, you know, and that's, right. that's the joy and then you can quickly get humbled again in your next race, you know, and it, and that's, that's, that's what I love about it. You know, it, it makes you, you know, it, it makes you or breaks you in every race. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And like to his point, like you can train really well, but there's also an art form to like racing well. Like there's so many little strategies and pieces that go into racing well, whether it's like how you handle an aid station or how you like mentally like cope with the day like racing well is an entirely different thing which is it's fun to figure out you know yeah and you know you walk into that race with an expectation yeah mm -hmm. and if you don't immediately start off in a good point then you know you can easily get down and it can become a really long and hard day and and that's the part that you know, even I still struggle with is you go into that race with that expectation of, you know, I'm, I'm going to do good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run with the lead back. And that was very humbling for me this year. Like I was nowhere near the lead pack. Uh, yeah. And it was just, it was a very humbling experience. And that's the thing that I love the most about it is I don't think you'll ever figure it out exactly. <laughs> no, definitely not. Some days you like get closer. And then again, like, like you said, you might just be completely humbled the next time you go out to you. Um, but the days that you start to get a little closer and get a peek of that, um, you feel really nice <laughs> because of all the days <laughs> that you are humbled and the days that you it didn't go well and you cried and you had a rough time, you know. Yeah, that's that's where the training plays a, a good part because at least you experience some of that in the training. You know, you you get brought back to reality and um and if you don't feel that, you may not be training exactly right. So, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, I mean, we put so much stock into a race and we have that buildup and, you know, you have a lot of emotion and anxiety around it and you can build yourself up to like your A race. And that's a bad thing in a way to, to have an A race and throw all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's something that will humble you pretty quickly is mm -hmm. if you're, if you're building up for this one big race and you spend all year training for this one race and it goes bad, it can bring you down to the point of you don't want to run again. Yep. And that's the unhealthy sure. part. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that, that, that puts you in an unhealthy spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's why I love your story too. Like, yep. and with no business and, you know, breaking you, breaking your, did you break your foot, your ankle or your leg? Like where? My, so it's, it's complicated. So it's, it's the end of my <laughs> which is your leg bone, but that, because it's like in the joint, it's considered your ankle, but it is like the, mm. the main, like, oh, weight. Did you break bone it at your, that joint? Yeah. There's like three fractures oh. around that joint. Yeah. Mm. 
But I love that story because, I mean, you could have easily have thrown in the towel. You know, that that doubt was in your head. Like, I'm 40. I'm not going to run again. I'm never going to be competitive. Now I'm going to have to start completely over. But you know what you did? And and look at you. I mean, look at what you come back and done. And look at Western states. And, like, that's having, you know, the emotion – and the mentality and the bravery to step up and say, you know, I got this and I'm going to do it. And that's, that's where a lot of people just don't ever step up. They don't ever push themselves to do that. And I mean, that, that is determination. That is grit. And I mean, you, you did it and um, we're, we're extremely proud of you. We were talking about you the other day and we're just so happy for you. Well, thank you so much. That's really sweet. Um, Yeah. I can't begin to express like how happy I am to like, have been able to come back and be able to work for it and to be able to feel fit again. It was, mm-hmm. I didn't think I could do it and I didn't think it was possible at this age. And not that I'm like, you know, ancient or anything, but you know, athletic ability definitely starts to wane. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't see a, a path where that could be the case. And so it feels really, really nice to be back here. <laughs> well, you, I'm sure you have a, a very long career ahead of you and you have yeah, a, yeah. I just love looking at your ultra sign up. I mean, you, you have a ton of achievements. Um, Just, I mean, excellent race results. And, you know, that's, that's a testament to your determination and grit. And, you know, it shows you put the work in. Thank you so much. (laughs) I tried to put the work in. Um, If I can stay ahead of the, the, the mental games, then it works out. Actually, uh, um, Western States, um, I was like in a really bad place and again, crying at Michigan Bluff, like 45 miles or so in. And I just had a horrible day the whole day. And um, Pat Reagan is like one of my coaches and he was there at Michigan Bluff and he sat down. You know, I allowed myself like five minutes to sit and like gather myself. And he came over and I was, I just remember like looking at him and crying and just being like, it's so hard, you know, like, which I'm a little embarrassed that <laughs> this is where I was at that time. And he like looked at me and he was like, of course it's hard. You know, like, why, like, why do you think this is like one of the biggest, most important races in North America, if not the biggest, like, this is where you have to get gritty. And I was like, oh yeah, oh, I can be gritty. You know, I was like, I do that. <laughs> and then like, okay. <laughs> And then I, it just like clicked and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I know how to do that. I can be gritty. And like, and then I was like pretty fine the rest of the, the day, but that was like, I just need that reminder. Like you need to be gritty and you can do it. Yeah. You just, you just need someone to put you right back on the path of yeah. reminding you who yeah. you are and what you've done. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for your time today. Um, Love, love talking with you, oh, and yeah. thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Yeah, yeah of course. Thanks thank for you, thank me. you for, uh, thank you for, you know, spending an hour with us and and letting everybody know that you know the story of you last year to this year. You know how one little thing don't let it hold you down. You know, get back at it, and you never know what could happen. And we hope to have you yeah, again man. on here in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you. I would love that. Well, that thank awesome. you, Lauren. You have have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.